Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. Concept of freedom is an interesting one. I guess we might be divided on whether we feel we are free or whether we feel trapped. I guess our society would feel in lots of ways that they are free and that they can do whatever they want and that Christianity is in some way restrictive and impairs freedom. However, we're going to see that Jesus seems to imply the opposite. Dieter Bonhoeffer says this, the demand for absolute liberty brings men to the depths of slavery. How can that paradox be? How is it that in our desire to abandon God and seek complete freedom, actually we enslave ourselves? How does that work out? Well, there's another ancient quote from St. Ambrose, which perhaps brings some light, sheds some light on the subject. He says, the peculiar characteristic, the peculiar characteristic of slavery is to always be in fear. And if we look at our culture and our society and our pursuit of liberty and freedom, we do increasingly see people who are anxious, who are stressed, who are fearful. So maybe St. Ambrose, who said these words hundreds of years ago, was onto something, and maybe it links in with Bonhoeffer. Well, we're going to try and explore all of that and try and work out what Jesus means by freedom and whether we ourselves can know that freedom, whether we are free. We're in John chapter 8, and we've heard that many of people were putting their faith in Jesus. And we've looked at what that means before, so I'm going to refer you to our study in John 7.31, which was called Faith. Equally, he, the next part is something we've looked at before as well. He says in John 8.31, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. In an upcoming Questions of Life, Kath and I discuss what it means to be a disciple. And in the studies that I did on the light of life in John 8, verse 12, and particularly part one, but also part two, you'll see that we explored what it means to be a disciple. The next verse then is the verse I want to begin to concentrate on. Verse 32 of John 8. Then you will know the truth, Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. This is a, a conversation with those who have chosen to believe him. And I want to ask what truths taught by Jesus will set us free? Well, they answered him in verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, of course, they were slaves uh, in, under Egypt and Moses set them free. And this is part of the particular narrative and understanding of the Jewish faith and of the Jewish people, that they saw themselves as those who were in slavery, but were set free by God through Moses, through the parting of the Red Sea. And they defined themselves as those who were no longer in slavery. So when Jesus says to them, I will set you free, it's raising all kinds of questions because they don't feel enslaved. So Jesus then says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Well, what does this mean? Well, let's remind ourselves what we mean by the word sin. We mean the ways opposed to God's rule of love the way in which we don't do what God has commanded us to do, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
the way in which we hurt God by hurting others, the way in which we damage ourselves when we are loved by God and when we harm ourselves, all of this is called sin. So sin is simply the opposite of love. It's breaking God's command to love. And what Jesus is saying is that when we sin, it traps us whilst giving us the illusion of freedom. That we think we are free by choosing to reject love and choosing self-centeredness. But actually, it enslaves us. And I want to ask the question, how, in a moment. And Jesus continues in verse 35. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Now, he's just doing a little bit of a wordplay to line up what he's going to say next. He's just contrasting the difference between a normal member of the family and a slave. So the son uh, it belongs in the family and his real power and authority, whereas a slave has no power or authority. And that's the point that introduces the next verse, verse 36, which is reiterating, repeating, emphasizing the importance of Jesus bringing freedom. Because he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, he's saying the freedom that I'm offering is a real freedom because I am not a slave of sin. I am a true heir. And if I set a slave free, they are truly free. So because Jesus is not a slave, but a son, the freedom he brings is true freedom. So three questions I want to explore uh, for the rest of this study. Firstly, how can we be enslaved by things we feel give us freedom? Secondly, what truth do we need to know to be free? If the truth is to set us free, what is the truth that we need to know? And thirdly, what is this true freedom where he says you will be free indeed? So that's what we're going to unpack together. So let's ask the first question. How can we be enslaved by things we feel give us freedom? I'm talking about us without Christ, if you like, or the way our culture and the world thinks around us. And the first thing I want to suggest, and I think there are seven of these, the first one I want to suggest is that we may feel that we are free to deny our own faults. We are free to say everything is everybody else's fault. We are free to say it's not me, it's them. I'm good. I'm without blame. We can say I'm worth it. But the problem with that freedom is that it actually enslaves us to two things, the stagnation and the alienation of pride. Now, let me explain what I mean. The stagnation of pride is that when we believe we do nothing wrong, we never grow, we never develop, if we're not able to admit our mistakes and say, how can I learn and be better, then we stagnate and we stink. And that creates the alienation of pride, which means that we become unattractive and difficult for others to live with. So we may feel that we're free, that Christianity is oppressive because it's trying to make us uh, recognize and acknowledge and confess our sins. And that actually freedom is to not have to do that. But actually, that freedom of denying our own faults makes us a slave to pride, which damages us and traps us in this state of being unable to grow and alienated from others. 
The second freedom that our world perceives that would be good for us is the freedom to harm ourselves, to ignore the Bible when it says don't do things that are damaging. And if I want to drink too much or take drugs or live unhealthily, even if I want to harm myself, I should have the freedom to do that and then I'll be really free. But the problem with choosing that kind of freedom is it actually enslaves us to a sense of guilt or despair or self-loathing. In other words, the more we say, I doesn't matter if I'm harming myself, the more we are saying to ourselves, I don't matter. And that's a deep form of slavery where we sink into this trap of feeling useless and unloved and unworthy because we don't love ourselves. The third freedom that we perhaps perceive our world thinks would be better in contradiction to Christianity is the freedom to live for this moment, to not worry about the future, just to live for today and do whatever we want now and it does, tomorrow doesn't matter. But actually what happens in that kind of freedom is that we can never quite shake off the fear of death. And we can never quite shake off the fear that it's going to come to an end. And equally, and perhaps even more frightening, we become enslaved to the reality that when we simply live for today, we miss out on heaven. Because unless we put ourselves right with God and think about whether we are fit for heaven and whether we are prepared to acknowledge our sinfulness, then when we die, it's all over and we miss out on all that God has for us. So to live for this moment may seem like a freedom for today, but it enslaves us to no future. We may feel that we should be free to do what we feel like doing and that we shouldn't in any way have to try and deny ourselves. We were talking about that. We'll be talking about that in an upcoming Questions of Life. That actually the world thinks that self-denial is a lack of freedom and that we should be free to do whatever we feel. But the reality is that that also enslaves us because the habits that, that we will generate will harm us in the long term. I need to be free, free perhaps to feel that I can eat whatever I want to eat, but I will damage myself. I need to be free to feel that I can exercise as little as I want, but I will damage myself. I need to be free to do what I want to do around alcohol or other substances, but I will damage myself. And the reality is that when we indulge our natural desires to their fullest extent, they always damage us. We have a natural desire to eat, but unless we restrain it, we will kill ourselves with gluttony. We have a natural desire to preserve our life, but if we indulge it such that we become self-centered and trample on others, we kill ourselves by becoming lonely and unable to build relationships. If we do what we feel like doing, we become trapped to long-term harm. If we think that we should be free to live for ourselves and not care about what others expect of us and not care about how our actions affect other people, then we will be enslaved 
by the emptiness of a pointless existence because we have been created to love and the moment we deny that purpose within us, life becomes meaningless and futile and pointless. We may feel that we should be free to only love the people that we want to love when it suits us and that any command to love is restrictive. But actually, we become enslaved to an insecurity and loneliness as to whether other people love us. Because if we choose to say, my love will only be conditional and my love will be dependent on whether I feel that person is lovable, then we will be trapped by the fear and expectation that other people will also love us in a, only in a conditional way. And we become lonely. And finally, we may feel that we should have the freedom to choose blame and to choose resentment and to choose not to forgive and that any sense of Christianity encouraging us or commanding us to forgive is restrictive and that we'd have real freedom if we didn't blame enslaves us to the isolation that bitterness brings. And the bitter are not free. They are trapped by a pain and a hurt that has been done to them in the past. So if we look at these things in ways in which humanity is enslaved by their yearning for freedom, our second question is, what are the truths that we need to know to be free? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what elements of Jesus' teaching will set us free from these traps that we found? I want to suggest then seven things to know that uh, balance what we've just talked about. The first thing is to know uh, the power of repentance and that when we know that God has called us to repent, then we will be free from this stagnation and the alienation of pride. That when we know that the beginning of relationship is to admit and to say to God, Lord, I'm not perfect. I need your love. When we know the power and the wonder and the glory of confession and the liberation of being honest before God and yet still being loved, we will be free know that we need to repent. Secondly, if we know that Jesus has come to save, not to condemn. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That we know that God has come to rescue us and to love us and that we value and that we matter before him, then we can be free from the despair of guilt and self-loathing. And all this sense that we don't matter and that we are of no value is lost when we recognize the God who has come to seek us out and to save us. And when we know that Jesus died in our place and rose victorious, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we know this, we are free from the fear of death. And when we are free to know that we are loved by God who has come to seek and to save us, then we do not need to fear missing out on heaven or perishing. And the reality of what God has in store for us is free. 
And when we know Jesus' teaching on self-denial, how he calls his disciples to deny themselves and not to just indulge their natural instincts, then we will be free from the habits that harm us in the long term. And when we know the command to love, then we will be free from the emptiness of pointlessness. When we know that life is about loving our neighbor as ourselves, that that is the purpose and meaning and the highest calling of humanity, and that when we live in that state, that is when we do all that we are created and made to do in the Garden of Eden, then the emptiness and futility and waste of life that so often humanity feels is lost, and we are free to know fulfillment and life in all its fullness. And when we know the call of Jesus to follow him and to love as he has loved us, then we are free from the insecurity and loneliness of whether we are loved by others. That when we invest and say, I'm going to love humanity, unconditionally as Jesus does, then we are released from that insecurity of wondering whether they love us. And when we know the power of mercy and the command and the truth and the teaching of Jesus to be merciful and to forgive and love our enemies, then we are free from the isolation of bitterness. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If, you, if we hold to the teaching that he loves us and that he calls us therefore then to follow and copy this love for others. If we hold to that, we will be free from all the other pain that we've just talked about. Richard Raw says this, the freedom Jesus promises involves letting go of our small self, our cultural biases, and even our fear of loss and death. And he goes on, we become even more free as we let go of our three primary motivations. And this is what he calls the three primary motivations. He says, we need to let go of our need for power and control our need for safety and security, and our need for affection and esteem. And he says that as we let go of these three things, power, control, safety and security, need for affection and esteem, and we start to say, I don't need to be powerful and in control. I'm happy to be the servant. I don't need to be safe and secure. I'm happy to trust Jesus with my life. I don't need to be loved and valued. I'm happy to love and value myself instead. I'm happy to love and value others. As we do that, we find true freedom. So our final question is, what is true freedom? And if we bring this all together, we can say these things. True freedom is not denying our own faults. It is discovering the joy of cleansing forgiveness. True freedom is not harming ourselves. It is being loved, valued, and adopted as a child of God. 
True freedom is not living for this moment, but is building something that lasts for eternity. True freedom is not doing what we feel like. It is following guidance from the creator who loves us and knows what is best for us. True freedom is not living for ourselves. It is serving. True freedom is not loving only when it suits us. It is loving as Jesus loved. And true freedom is not blame. It is living in grace and mercy. So a couple of questions as we conclude. What of the world's alleged freedoms have we been influenced by? And what truth do we need to know to be free? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you grant us freedom when we choose to follow you. That as we choose to be a disciple and to live out what it means to copy Jesus, we discover real freedom. Thank you that the Son truly sets us free. Thank you for the freedom of forgiveness. Thank you for the freedom of serving. Thank you for the freedom of purpose. Thank you for the freedom of meaning. Thank you for the freedom of forgiveness. Help us to live this out, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.